Let's just praise the Lord together for just a moment. Hallelujah. Oh, would you add your voice to that right now all across this place? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's just lift him up for just a moment. Front to back, side to side. We love you, Jesus. Come on, if you can feel him in this place, would you let him know that right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. It's great to be here again. It's an honor to be here and so thankful for this church and what it represents and I'm thankful for what I can feel in this place today and it would be easy for me to throw a couple of matches out here and fan what's been happening and I feel that pressure a little bit, not from anyone in particular, but I, I will do what I feel in the Holy Ghost and um I believe that God wants to allow faith to rise to heights that we have not seen. And in order for that to happen, there's got to be things that God removes so that faith can reign as it needs to. And so I want to do what I feel today. And uh, very glad to have my family with me today. I prefer to travel with them. And a few of you not certain of which one is my daughter and which one is my wife. It happens everywhere I go. We flew to Houston this past week and the TSA agent said, uh, do you have the boarding passes for both children? And I said, let me correct you on that, sir. She is older than me, just for the record. I'm going to pay for all this later, but I'm just getting it out there to help some of you that have questions. Because I get them every revival. Amen. We're glad to be here. I honor your pastor and his wife, family. These are wonderful people that I respect and appreciate. Amen. Praise God. And I'm thankful for the invitation. And I just want to take us to the word of the Lord right now. Book of Joel chapter 2 and verse 27. Second Samuel chapter 14, verse 14. Now, today, the things that the Lord would like to do in this house, if you're here sitting on, well, with leaving on your mind, if I could say it that way, you're going to miss what's about to happen today. If you're in a hurry to get out of here, I'm just going to dismiss you right now. I'm telling you that today, there will be and there must be a dramatic shift in the spirit. Amen. How many want to go where God wants us to go today? Hallelujah. I haven't come to waste your time. I haven't come to entertain. I haven't come to play around. I believe that God wants to break some things permanently in the spirit. Praise God. Joel chapter 2. Verse 27, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Everyone say ashamed. 
and it shall come to pass afterward, after shame has ended, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Praise God. 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse number 14. It says, For we must needs die, and are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. The NLT says, but God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back. And we have been separated from him. And then finally, the ESV says, but God will not take away life. And he devises means so that the banished one will not remain an outcast. I want the Lord to help us today, and I pray that you will help me today because this really is not going to work unless we push together. I, I want to preach what the Lord has put in my spirit for the last number of days. I'm going to talk to you from this subject. The removal of shame will loose the church. The removal of shame will loose the church. And for the record, I'm not here to preach to five people, but I'm here to preach to every person under the sound of my voice. Please don't have any preconceived ideas. Today, God is going to demonstrate his power. Would you lift your hands right now? Would you lift your voice? And I wish somebody would just go ahead and get in the Holy Ghost right now. I wish you'd lift your voice. Let's pray together and believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind every opposing spirit of hell. Let faith be released in this house, we pray in Jesus' name. Let every shackle be broken. Let every stronghold crumble. Let every wall be torn down. God, we are believing and we are expecting a move and a demonstration of your spirit. Let your word be confirmed with signs following. Right now, would you praise him according to your level of expectation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, God. Praise God. You can be seated. Man, sometimes, sometimes a parent, they do their best to prevent their child from harm, from harming themselves. And then there are times where you have to let a child learn a lesson. Oh, they're never going to get it right. See, man, you can tell your child over and over and over. If you run, you're going to fall down. You're going to tear your knee up. This is what I'm always telling my daughter. But somehow the brain doesn't ever send the signal. Something is disconnected there. She hears what I'm saying, but she is intent on learning for herself. You can tell them the stove is hot, and it's sometimes not enough. They have to touch it. Just to know, we told my little brother, don't play with the electrical socket. It'll hurt you. He learned the hard way. Amen. Anybody ever been there? 
You can tell children repeatedly, but sometimes without pain and without suffering and without falling down in understanding for themselves the reality of what the parent has said, they will never learn the lesson. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough to be told. It is not enough to be instructed. Sometimes they have to get it for themselves. Praise God. The Lord tells Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. We find something that begins to play out here. We find that Peter gets a close-up look at failure restoration and redemption long before he was in the courtyard, long before he was cursing and swearing and denying that he knew the Lord. He has an encounter with failure and redemption in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Lord has warned him that the devil is coming for him. And so God paints a picture of what restoration and redemption can look at. We find that somewhere throughout the day, the Lord has asked the question, does anyone have any weapons? What a strange question for him to ask. They say, Lord, there are two swords. And the Lord said, it is enough. It is enough to play a role in the picture that I want to paint for Peter. It is enough to serve a purpose. God, the Lord rather could have allowed them or told them to leave them at home, but it would play a crucial role and a lesson that he wanted to teach. We find here in the garden under the darkness of night as guards and people have come to arrest Jesus. Peter has heard what the Lord has said. He has come prepared. He has come equipped. He's armed with a sword. And he draws a sword. And most of you know the story. He lunges and cuts off the priest's servant, Malchus, his ear is completely severed from his head. And in one moment, Peter has made a choice. He has made a rash decision. He has made an error that could cost him his reputation, that could cost him his future. Will we look at this and it went so flippantly, but hear me today, this one choice, this one action could ruin everything that the Lord has prepared for Peter. This one choice could put him into prison. It could sentence him to death. I have no idea what the outcome could be. And we see the Lord's rebuke of Peter and he steps down and picks up the ear of Malchus and attaches it to his head. And it was a moment that the Lord wanted Peter to see. You have made a, an error. You have made a mistake. This is a moment of failure. But let me show you what I do with your mistakes and with your failures. And in one moment, he takes a mistake that could have wrecked a ministry. Hear me today. That could have wrecked a life and said, I'll show you what I can do. He put the ear back on his head, and it was perfectly whole. I'm here to tell you that is what God does with every mistake. That is, oh, I wish I had someone that would help me preach. That is what God will do with every failure. Come on, I'm not, I'm not going to take all day today. That is what God will do with every mistake, with every sin, with every transgression, with everything that you have done wrong. He is able to restore. He is able to redeem. He is able to make 
new. Praise God. Amen. That's what he does with our records when we come to him. He not only forgives, but through baptism, he expunges the record. It's one thing to be pardoned. It's one thing to have time served. It's another thing to have your past removed. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody thankful that the Lord not only dealt with the present, but he dealt with the past? Oh, hallelujah. In Jesus, I don't have to live a product of where I came from. I'm starting right now. You might as well help me preach. In Jesus, I don't have to live as a product of yesterday's choices. You may have come here as a druggie. You don't have to remain a druggie. Come on, you don't have to. Oh, hallelujah. You may have come here full of dysfunction, but you don't have to let dysfunction continue to run your life. You may have come here with family issues, but today God can turn that around. My future and my present does not have to be a reflection of where I came from. He can totally restore. He said, behold, I make all things new. Honey, he'll make you new. Not only will he make you new the first time you talk in tongues, but last time I checked, he's forgiven me time and time and time again. I'm going to tell you, Jesus will just keep on making you new. Praise God. We find Adam and Eve in the garden. They have made their choice. They have sinned. They have failed. Eve has had great pressure upon her. I don't believe that the encounter that we see with the devil at the tree was the first encounter. I believe it was repeatedly she had had these conversations. There's much familiarity with her and the serpent. Repeatedly she has felt the pressure of his temptation. She has entertained these thoughts. Sin doesn't happen immediately. It takes time. She has entertained these thoughts. She has dwelt on this. She has obsessed over this. The devil has told her, you're not going to die, but you will become like God. You will become, in essence, a God yourself. Your eyes will be open, and you will have enlightenment. And that is alluring to Eve. It is tempting to her. She wants to know what that is and what it feels like to be like God and to know what God knows, and she has taken a bite of the fruit and see the pattern of the devil. We don't see it in Scripture. We don't see the dialogue, but I assure you it was there because it is what he does to everybody that is in this room. The one that whispered to her, take it, try it, taste it, and you'll enjoy it, and your eyes will be open. The moment that she bit into the fruit, the moment that Adam bit into the fruit and they began to swallow, the tempter became the accuser. The one that had convinced her, that had done his best to persuade her, switches rolls as he always does and he begins to beat her over the head. You have failed God. What were you thinking? How could you make this kind of choice? You have wasted 
ruin everything that God has given you. You have ruined this chance. And come on, I'm talking to somebody right now. That's what he does to every one of us. He pushes us. He goads us. He baits us. And as soon as you take the bite, come on, as soon as you begin to respond to what he has to say, he begins to browbeat you. Come on, I have come today to expose the lie of the devil. I've come to pull... I've come to pull the cover off of some things the devil has been doing to precious people in this church. I've come to reveal the tormentor. He is still a liar. He is a deceiver. Praise God. He begins to pressure her. What a failure, what a mistake. He uses the weapon of shame. He shames Adam and Eve. Adam tells the Lord, I heard your voice. And this is the first time that Adam has made this kind of choice. I heard your voice, and I was afraid, and I hid. He's never felt fear in his life. The Lord did not give him fear. He's not given us fear. But Adam feels fear. Where did fear come from? He made a choice and he opened a door to allow fear to come in. I heard your voice and I was afraid. And when we fail and the devil puts shame upon us, that is often our response. We hide from what can help us. We run from what can save us. Come on. I'm not here to preach to a few that are sitting on the back row. I've come to preach to people in leadership. I've come to preach to people all across this house today. We run when we should be running to him. We run in the opposite direction. People hide when the voice of God begins to speak because we are shamed by choices that we've made. Help us, God. Help us, God. He said, I hid from you because of my nakedness. All of the revelation that they were promised, it revealed things about them that they were not so comfortable with. Nakedness means shame. Adam, where did the shame come from? I did not create you with shame. I created you with innocence. Hallelujah. That's what the Lord does at Calvary. Ha. We come to him with shame, and he gives us his innocence in replace. Hallelujah. But Adam is carrying shame. The Lord says, I did not place this upon you, but this is by your own choice. I'm going to tell you today that the devil can persuade us to commit sin if we allow him to do so. But he knows that it is not one sin that is enough to make you his prisoner. It's not enough to get one of us to trip up and to commit failure. But it is after our transgression, it is after our failure, come on somebody, that he begins to browbeat us with shame. And it is shame that it is, it's his weapon. That is what he uses to make somebody a prisoner. He wants to shame you. He wants to tell you that there is no hope, that there is no way out. Come on, that there is no way to resolve this. He had convinced Adam and Eve, two people that walked with God, that heard the voice of God, you cannot come back from this. You cannot fix this. God's angry with you. There's no way to restore this. I'm here to tell you that God's first 
action is always one of redemption and restoration. I don't know where everybody is on this Sunday, but God wants to visit you, and your response today is going to unlock what heaven wants to bring in here. I said God's first reaction to your failure is always one of restoration and redemption. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I don't care how bad the mistake was. I don't care if it's years of failure. His first response to you is let's fix this. Let's get it right. Weighs heavy upon the spirit. Understand today, I have come to preach about shame, but not just in the sense that what sin brings upon us. But shame comes in different ways. Shame comes in ways and things that people did to us that were beyond our control, things that we were not responsible for, and yet we carry the shame. We carry the guilt. Come on, somebody. Really, shame can just simply come from one lie that you believe from hell. There's good people in this house today. You do your best. You're, you're here every time the doors are open, but the devil has somehow convinced you that you've never done quite enough, that you've never responded the way that you should, that you just don't pray enough, you don't show up enough, you don't pay enough tithes at somewhere, somewhere you've missed something, somewhere you've never been, everything that you could be. There's people in this house that God has dealt with you in times gone by to respond in a greater manner. There's people in this house that God has called you in times past and you have never fully accepted nor responded to it and because of all of that the devil has pushed you around the devil has weighed upon you with feelings of shame you talk in tongues and you shout and danced and ran the aisles already but there come on I'm coming to preach to somebody I'm thankful you can feel the presence of God and talk in tongues occasionally but if some of us could admit it right now there is a threshold that many of us cannot seem to get beyond there's a place in God we have heard about and we desire to find it but it seems that on our best efforts we cannot get there. Come on I've come to expose shame in this house. God he's God wants to lift shame. He wants to remove shame. Come on. He wants to break the shackles. Come on some of you feel like a spiritual failure. I have failed God. I haven't ever been what I could have been and shame is holding you hostage. Let's reach out to the Lord just for a moment. Come on. Come on, I need some folks that are spiritually minded to help me right now. Jesus. 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 Shame. We think that repentance fixes everything. Repentance deals with the guilt between me and God. But the devil comes and he browbeats us with shame, stuff that Jesus has already forgiven us of, stuff that's already under the blood. The devil will never let you forget. Come on, somebody. 
The devil is constantly vying for control of your mind, and if you will give him an open door. How does he find an open door? He's waiting for you to agree with one thing he says. Boy, you know you missed it, and if you'd you'd have done the will of God, things wouldn't be the way that they are. And when you begin to entertain it, he has access. Come on, somebody. He has a way to bring shame into your life. He has a way to control you. Come on. I'm talking to somebody right now. If you hadn't sowed so many wild oats when you were a teenager, things could look differently. Your ministry could look differently. You could be in a different place right now. Come on, if you hadn't had three marriages before you came to God and children all over the place, family wouldn't be so dysfunctional and there wouldn't be so much stress and pressure. Shame. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. Stuff the Lord has already handled and taken care of. It's not even on his mind anymore, but it's still on your mind because the devil has put it there. Come on, shame is dictating too many of our actions. Shame is restraining us in places that we cannot even comprehend. Come on, some of you have convinced yourself that where you are spiritually, that's as far as you can go. Come on, you're wading around the shallow end of the pool. You wish things could be differently, but you've let the devil tell you this is as good as it can get for you. Other people could go further, but because of your choices, because of things you've lived through, because of things your parents did, come on, because of things that you missed, it's just never going to be that way for you and you've got to learn to accept it. The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. I'm telling you he has deceived you. He is mocking you. Come on shame is a liar. Shame is a liar. Shame is a liar. Shame Shame is the voice of hell. It is not God's opinion about you. I'm here to tell you that God is still for you. And he wants to give you everything that he has promised. Everything that you have said is out of reach. Everything that you said is beyond me. God wants to position you today to lay your hand upon it. Come on Shame sinks its claws into people and restricts and restrains. Oh, gosh. If we could turn the light off and see shame for what it is today, it is spider-webbed all across this congregation. Come on. The devil never stops trying to introduce shame. You've been out of the world for 30 years. He's never quit trying to put shame on you. That's how he makes you a prisoner. Come on. That's how he makes you a prisoner. That's how he convinces you. Shame says, you're a failure. Why try? You've made enough mistakes. Just, Just accept things as they are. That's why some of you sit here service after service with such a powerful move of the Holy Ghost, but yet you seem to be totally unaffected by it because shame has said, just, just be here, but... Don't try to respond too much. You'll never get anywhere. Things can't be fixed. We have convinced ourselves, we have allowed the devil to convince us that once certain things are broken, they can never be put back together. Once certain things are destroyed, they can never be repaired. If it were up to you, that would be true. If it were up to your power and your ability, you'd be right about that. 
But it's not up to you today. I'm telling you that there is nothing that you have lived through. There is nothing that I don't care how dark, how filthy, how dirty, how messed up, how jacked up it was. There's nothing that you have carried in here that God is not able to fix and to restore. There's nothing hiding in the recesses of your life. Oh, shaka, that God cannot take and begin to turn it around. God can fix anything. God can take the shattered fragments of your life and begin to piece it back together. God can take the most messed up individual and make something out of them. I don't care how many times you fail. There is always hope for redemption. Somebody hear me today. devises means to bring his banished back. God is always crafting plans to bring the wayward back. It's never the will of God to allow you to live in a place of shame. It's never the will of God for you to live in a spiritually less than position. That's the plan of the adversary. I don't know where we come up with the idea in Pentecost, somewhere birthed out of stinking tradition of Pentecost, that people have to earn their way back, that people have to grovel their way to the feet of God and wring their hands, and they've got to sit through some probationary period after failure. When did God make any of us do that? Find me that in the Scripture, would you please? Not a one of us deserved mercy then, and we still don't deserve mercy now. The mercy of God is a gift of God. It is not something I am owed. It is not something I can earn. It is of the mercies of God that we are not consumed, for His compassions fail not. Come on, somebody. I don't deserve what I have. If Jesus gave me what I deserved, I'd be in hell. I'd be in hell. Come on, somebody. If he gave you what you deserved, he'd have left you where he found you. Come on. If Jesus gave us what we deserve, some of you would be dead. Some of you would be ODing right now. Some of you would be in rehab or in prison or out of your mind somewhere. But God has given us what we could never purchase. God has given us what we cannot be qualified for. You'll never live for God long enough that you deserve the mercy. Thank God. Thank God for the gift of mercy. Anybody thankful today? Anybody still in need of mercy? You'll never stop needing it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? You're going to need it. I said you're going to need it. His mercy is new every morning. Why? Because you're going to need it. Come on, if repentance isn't somewhere in your prayer to God, then there's something missing. Not one of us are ever going to reach a place on this earth of perfection. I need the mercy of God. 
Maybe you're too embarrassed to admit it, but this preacher still needs God's mercy. I said, I need God's mercy today. I probably need it tomorrow. I probably need it Tuesday. Jesus. He pulls us down. He weighs us down. I don't have to name everything. I shouldn't have to because God is speaking to people right now. I, I really wish in, in these moments that we would not look across the congregation and say, well, who would this fit? Right now what God is wanting everyone here to do is to look inward. Come on. Come on. There's some of us that have done a good job of suppressing some of this. But I am tired of surface victory. I'm tired of watching people shout and run the aisles and go home and have suicidal feelings all week long. You can sit on me until I'm done. I'm going to preach until it breaks today. I'm tired of watching people sing in the choir and go home and battle depression and try to prop themselves up and plaster a smile on their face so they can come back in here and act like everything's all right. Shame has made them a prisoner. It is a choice. You do not have to live in shame. You don't have to live with shame not another 24 hours. Your battle with shame can be won in this room today. Come on, God has come with delivering power into this room today. I don't care how deep and dark your past is today today there is freedom there is freedom from depression there is freedom from anxiety there is freedom from tormenting spirits come on somebody come on somebody it's time to get free you're too close to fake it now you're too close to get by come on let's get what God has for us There's good people in here. Shame has told you. Well, if you'd have responded like you needed to 20 years ago, maybe, maybe there'd be a chance, but it's too late now. You're wasting your time to even respond to what he's saying. Some of you can't even process half of what I've said today because shame is so loud in your mind. You're worried about what everyone in proximity of you is thinking about you. You're wondering if the pastor knows. Shame keeps you locked down in that pew. Shame is why you refuse to respond. I'm going to tell you the church is not your enemy. This preacher is not your enemy. It's that voice that's in your head. Come on, somebody. It's what's working between your ears right now that is against you. This church is for you. I said this church is for you. That was a little weak, but I'm going to just tell you, we're not here to smear your face in your past. We're not here to judge what only God can judge. Come on, we're not here to pass down our own personal verdict. That's between you and the Lord. Paul said, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in meekness. Come on, somebody. There is a great work that is failing in the Pentecostal church. It is up to you and me to restore a brother and sister to a fall. Come on, it's time for the ministry of restoration. 
to rise in the apostolic church. Stop watching people struggle by themselves. Stop watching. You hear me? Stop watching people barely make it on their own. It's time for somebody to come alongside them and say, we'll make it together. Come on, failure is not permanent. Failure is not forever. You don't have to remain here. There is freedom. There is hope. We can get out of this together. I feel something trying to break in this house right now. God's plan after failure is not humiliation, but often that is our response to others' failures. God's never called me to humble anybody. It's never your responsibility to humble someone. The Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Come on, somebody. All I can do in trying to humble is humiliate. How many people were close to redemption, but because of humiliation of something that someone else said and their ignorant observations, and they're not here anymore. Come on, somebody. They were close to redemption. But our response pushed them deeper into shame. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Shame is a liar. Shame is a deceiver. God wants to set some folks free today. If I could start putting my hands on people in this house, stuff that you believe you've dealt with, stuff that you think you have put your foot on, it still eats at you. It still weighs on your conscience. It still speaks to you in the middle of the night. It's what wakes you up in a dead sleep. Every time you go to take a step closer to God, every time you try to go a little deeper, every time you try to respond, it's just like I can only get so far, and I don't understand. Some of you are, are not even aware of why it has been that way, but as I have preached to you, God has turned the light on. God is allowing you to see, come on, come on, come on. Some of you, it was one thing that somebody said, and that's all it took. One phrase that has embedded itself in your brain. Come on, come on. That is all it has taken to work shame into your conscience, into your spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care where you are. You can start over from here. I don't care. I don't care how old you are. You can start over right here today. I don't care how much water has gone under the bridge. I don't care how many opportunities have been missed today. God sent me to tell you, you can try again. You can start over right now that things can be different. All things are impossible with you, but nothing is impossible with God. Come on, we are looking at our failures from our own personal vantage point. Of course it's overwhelming. You need to see it from God's perspective. There is nothing God cannot handle. There is nothing that God cannot forgive. Come on, I want us to reach out right now. I want some people to pull some masks off of themselves. Come on, somebody needs to open themselves up a little bit. Come on, come on. 
this has got to go as deep as it needs to today. Come on, there's too many of us sitting here hoping I'll shut up and get done. So you don't have to deal with what you've been kicking down the road for so many years. Come on, I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I know this is a sensitive subject and it makes people uncomfortable. But today, today it's got to be dealt with today. Today God wants to fix it. Today God wants to make you free. Today God wants to usher you in to the place you've longed to go to but never have thought possible. Come on, today, today, today. Shame, shame warps our perspective. Shame dictates many of our choices. I have seen good people. I have seen people. They had affairs on their spouse. And it was all because of shame that they had never dealt with from their youth. You can get quiet. I understand how sensitive this is. But shame causes us to react in ways we never thought possible. I have watched shame push young men into becoming homosexuals because of undealt with shame. I've watched young ladies turn to lesbianism because of Undealt with shame. I have watched fathers continue the abuse that their father gave them because of shame. If you don't deal with shame, come on, somebody. Come on. If you don't deal with shame, you're going to perpetuate that same vicious cycle over and over. Come on, somebody. You see, shame wants companions. It's You get around someone that lives with constant shame and condemnation. They want to pull everyone else into their sphere. It's not enough until everyone else is covered with their own shame. Shame wants a friend. Come on, somebody. Why is our, our marriage so dysfunctional? Because there's stuff that's never been dealt with. Come on. You, you, you've come together and you got a family, but, but it's just like nothing seems to work. It, it's because of the shame that we have so tried to suppress and bury, but it just keeps coming up. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to young people in this house. You have made mistakes that you feel like there is no coming back from. You have made choices, and you have told yourself, the devil has told you, the future that God once had, you have forfeited, and you will never know what that is like. I'm telling you, it is the voice of shame. It is the voice. It is not the voice of God. It is not God that comes to shame us and to push us down. Come on, somebody. God will never speak to anybody that way. It is not God that rubs our face in our past. It's shame. Shame. Come on, somebody. I feel the Spirit of the Lord trying to move in and among us right now. Come on. Come on. Let the Lord talk to you right now. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to tell God, God, I want you to speak to me right now. Come on, some of us are trying still as I'm preaching to suppress things. But I'm asking you right now, please, you got to let some stuff come up. I, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's even painful, but you cannot deal with the wounds without opening them up. Come on, somebody. Jesus, speak to me right now. 
Somebody tell him that, would you? Jesus, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. Choices that I've made. Choices that others made that affected me. Things that have happened in my life. Come on. There's some of you that carry so much shame. Every time you get so much as a flat tire, you start questioning. I I wonder if it's something I did. I wonder if God's mad at me. When the next time you have a financial struggle, the voice is always there. This is because of choices that you've made. If you'd have done differently, if you'd have lived differently, things wouldn't be this difficult. Come on, somebody. The struggles that are in your life, the devil has convinced you it's your fault. It's your choice. God's angry at you. God's against you. God is your adversary. That's the same voice that spoke in the garden. It's a lying voice. Come on. I feel it trying to break right here. I feel it trying to break right here. You might as well let the Spirit of God reach into your innermost being and begin to pull out that shame. I bind every lying, tormenting spirit of hell that is in this room right now. Come on, the Lord is here. The Lord is here to help somebody. The Lord is here to let something break. Shame is a liar. Shame is a liar. And it doesn't have to dictate my future. I'm trying to hurry. The Lord's working right now. God will never tell you just stay where you are and accept your spiritual status, but that's what shame has done to you. There's so many, even some that have stood on this platform today said, I can never be more than this. I can never go beyond here because of choices. Choices. Mine or others. I can never go beyond this place. The prodigal came home And while it's difficult to come home, it's easier than dealing with the past. The prodigal comes home. I'm closing if somebody wants to come and begin to play. The prodigal has got his story straight. He tells the father, I'm back, but I'm not good enough to be here. I don't deserve to be here. Just make me a servant. But it, the true translation is not even servant, it's slave. Make me a slave because I don't deserve to be a son. Just stick me somewhere and forget about me because I'm not good enough to belong. But if I can just be nearby and just experience whatever little fragments that you'll throw my way, that's good enough for me. Because shame told him that's all he deserved. 
Shame will let you come here every service, but it will not let you go any further. The devil's not so concerned that you're here because it's your response that makes the difference. You can come here every day of the week. It won't make a difference. It's what you do when you're in this atmosphere. It's your response today that's going to determine what happens next in your life. If you think this is just another service without significance, you have deceived yourself. I'm telling people in this room, this can be one of the greatest moments of your life if you will let it be that. That is up to you. The son said, I'm not good enough. And there's so many here. You're here, but you don't feel good enough to even be here. I'm, I'm here, and I, I'm, I'm even involved. I've got, a, I've got a title. I've got a position. I sing. I play. Whatever it is that you do. But I'm barely hanging on because I'm really not qualified. Just stick me over here. It's enough for you to feel the presence of God occasionally, to speak in tongues every couple of weeks. Because that's all that you think you're qualified for. But that has never been God's plan or God's design. The son tries to convince the father, please make me a slave. The father said, that's not my plan. It's never been my plan. I've been waiting for this day. Father was waiting for that day with eagerness. You've got to see it, folks. God, he looks for opportunities to bring redemption. He looks for opportunities with joy to bring restoration. He'll leave the 90 and 9 to go after the one. That's always on the forefront of his mind. God is looking for an opportunity to, to restore, to redeem, to bring back. He deviseth means to bring his banished back so that they don't remain cast away. Come on, I'm talking to somebody right now. The Father said, bring the best robe. Bring the best robe. The, the son is filthy, matted, stinking, scarred, broken, covered with excrement from the hog pen. Bring the best robe and put it over all that. What is the best robe of the Father? It's a robe of righteousness. It's a robe of covering. Put that robe over all of his mistakes. Put that robe over the stench of the hog pen. Put that robe of covering over all the scars, all the baggage, all of yesterday's choices. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I'm telling you that God will cover your past. He will cover my failure, and he will keep it covered. Come on. That's what he does with us every time. He covers. He covers. He said, give him the ring that bears the family name. There's the family seal. And everywhere the son goes wearing the ring of the father, he comes in the father's name. He has the backing and authority of the father behind him. Everyone knows that's the father's son. God doesn't just cover your past, but he restores you completely. He said, I'm giving you your name, and I'm giving you your power and authority. 
You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Some of you sitting here feel totally powerless. Some of you feel spiritually weak and anemic. Not only does God want to cover you, He wants to completely restore you. Come on. Come on. He didn't make Him live in the barn. He said, you move back into your old room. You get all your stuff back in this house. It's going to be as if nothing ever happened. If you could have looked at Malchus' ear, I don't believe there would have been a scar. I don't believe there would have been a mark. Come on. When God restores, He restores as if nothing ever happened, as if there was no failure. God's plan, God's desire is to make you whole, to make you, come on, somebody. My people shall never be ashamed again. God speaking to his people says there's coming a moment where I'm going to put an end to all of their shame. Today is that kind of moment for somebody in this house. There's a moment I'm going to deal with shame. I'm going to bring an end to shame and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. There are anointings. There are giftings. There are callings that are hovering in this house today that many of us have never accessed. Come on. Come on. Some of you are in some role or some title around here, but you've still never tapped in to what God wants to give you because shame has told you you're not equipped for that. You're not qualified for that. God says when I deal with the shame, I'm going to release the supernatural. Come on. When I deal with your shame, I'm going to send the anointing. When I deal with the shame, there's going to be an outpouring of my spirit. I'm going to lose spiritual gifts among Namakiah. Come on, I feel in this house right now. Come on, you have felt that before. You've had desire for it before, but you said it can't happen. It's too late. The devil's a liar. Come on, there's anointing here for you. There's calling for you. There's gifting. Come on, there's power. There's a Authority for you. Come on, right now. Right now. Come on. Would you stand all across this house? If you're already coming, you're welcome to respond. Come on. Holy Ghost is here right now. Don't wait on me. Open your spirit. Somebody open your spirit right now. This is not a time. I understand the sensitivity of this subject. Let me tell you, this isn't a moment for quiet prayer. This isn't a moment for just quiet reflection. Come on today. Somebody needs to open your mouth. Shame has silenced you long enough. Shame has caused you to sit quietly. Come on. Come on, if you need help from God, I wouldn't sit there and look at me another five seconds. If you want something from God, the only way it's going to change is you've got to respond. You've lived hostage to other people's opinions long enough. If I respond, all the church is going to think i got a problem. Look at all these people up here right now. Come on, you don't have to worry. No one's here to shame you. 
Come on, this is your moment right now. Don't respond for me, respond for you. Come on, there's many more still sitting, still unresponsive today. Come on, I'm pushing because I'm telling you this is your moment you have longed for for years. It's here. It is here. It is here. Come on, right where you're at. I don't want you to worry about what you look like. I don't want you to worry about who's watching you. I don't want you to worry about anyone's opinions. Right now, I want you to get tunnel vision. Come on, block everybody else out around you. And I wish somebody would begin to lift your voice. Choices that you made, choices that others made that affected you, situations and life occurrences that took place, lies that you have believed, whatever it is, come on right now, right now, right now, we're dealing with it right now. Somebody bring all of your shame. I want you to get it in your arms. And I want you to come to Jesus with it right now. Get a hold of that shame. The failures, the things that were done, the things that you did, the things that were said. I want you to bring it right now. And I want you to hand it to Jesus. Come on, give him that shame. Give him that shame. Give him that shame. Give him your shame. Come on, there's a deeper place for you. There's a greater anointing for you right now. Come on, if you don't need this, would you pray for somebody? Come on, if you're all right, would you pray with somebody? Be free in the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. You are not a failure. You're not a mistake. It's not too late. It's not too late to get it right. It's not too late to start over. this building right now. Would you lift your voice at the top of your lungs right now? Would 